Welcome to the Mad Trio Podcast. This week we have the California Pariah, Jonathan Charney, James, the Fat Man Stevens. We had two new people in the mix with Josh Lean and Rusty Pang. So how about a little introduction to the new people? One of you guys can pick who goes first. I guess I'll start. Um, good evening, everyone. My name is Josh Lean. I am coming to you from the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania region. I am a scuba diving professional. I spent some time in the Marine Corps, and before that was originally from the Northern California area, which is how I originally know Jonathan. Rusty, you're up. Yeah, on, right on. Uh, Rusty Pang here out of Boise, Idaho. Uh, I met John in California as well, and I joined the Navy, became a broadcaster and journalist. Got out. Now I do this uh, healthcare company. And I, I want to, I want to apologize, ladies and gentlemen, if this seems like a glitchy episode. Uh, will that where this is being recorded at? The internet's goofy because the massive rainstorm or storm or whatever you call it. We're gonna start this off as we normally do, called "Bring Out the Dead." This is where we celebrate the lives of our beloved people, celebrities, people of interest, you name it. Uh, a man I've always loved, I loved his father too, stuntman Robert Knievel died at 60 years old, and uh, he didn't jump over anything. He just unfortunately passed, and American alum C.J. Harris, a man I've never heard of, passed away at 31, and that's that's it for the day. This week, the last week's list was much longer. And well, I'm going to have to disagree. Do? You're going to have to disagree? Mr. Evil Knievel jump the greatest of this <laughs> he didn't I, make it or did he make it that's why he's not here anymore who knows i i think evil knievel deserves a place in everybody's heart considering what he jumped all those on robbie knievel cheated he wasn't using a harley davidson <laughs> i couldn't well, imagine jumping anything on a harley fair enough <laughs> So John Fogarty, the brains behind CCR, after half a century, got his music rights back, which is completely different than pretty much every musician out there. In the article from Billboard.com and a happy ending to one of the music industry's grimmest and longest tales, John Fogarty has gained worldwide control of, his, of Creedence Clearwater Revival publishing rights after half a century. Uh, he actually goes later on the article that says he's the father of these songs. So unlike a lot of musicians, most of these songs sound like they mean a lot to him, which is really cool to hear. Huh. And I, I don't... Did Taylor have what was a similar issue? What was that? Back? I said, didn't Taylor Swift have a similar issue a few years back with copywriting stuff, saying that she had lost her ability to control the music that she had written so it was re-recording every one of her albums so that she had uh you know corporate control over her mu her music yes somebody bought the recording company that owned the rights to her music and if i remember the story correctly i don't know why i know this uh, the, the guy who bought it said they gave her an opportunity and i guess she missed it so she's redoing all the masters It's, I, and there's if you go to the billboard.com type in john fogarty you'll find the rest of this article it's um rather long and i have no ability to retell it any sort of style uh anybody have any stories i've got a ton but let's give everybody else a chance i'm gonna let me guys go if they need to Well, I'll, uh, I'll add to the next one. After uh, Taylor Hawkins, the human metronome, passed away, Foo Fighters have confirmed that they will continue. Uh, unlike a lot of uh, bands like Led Zeppelin when John Bottom died, they're going to go, even though they said they're going to be a different band going forward. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they change. Yeah, but are they going to change their name? No, I highly doubt that, but their style's going to change because uh, it's hard to find drummers, you know, like 
Taylor Hawkins, uh, John Bonham, or a, the guy from Rush whose name's escaping me at the moment, Neil Peart. There's not many of those guys around. I mean, they could always get the drummer from Metallica, but I think they want an actual drummer. Ouch. Grim shot? No. I could, hold on. I can, I, 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 I can actually do that on here. It's like layered appropriate. It's like dual layered. <laughs> the the one band who I really want to continue, and I don't know how they're going to do it, is Linkin Park. Once the, the, the lead singer passed away, I just don't see them doing it, but I'd love to see them make a comeback. There's an amazing amount of talent in that band. But without Chester's voice, I mean, it just, uh, it's like you said, it's going to be a different band altogether. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it can, it's harder to replace a lead singer than it is a drummer, honestly. I mean, drummers are essential, but I mean, you when you have somebody who's the lead of, you know, the face of your band, it's kind of a lot more difficult to replace that. I don't know. I know a lot of people that love Sammy Hangar over uh, David Lee Roth. Yeah. I'm a David Lee Roth fan, so. Because how can you not love somebody that um, interesting? And oh. so we'll just have to see how it rolls out. Because it kind of depends on the personality too. You know what I mean? Whoever comes up and starts singing, um, whether they can hold it. Because there's a certain element of if they're just trying to be what they used to be, then it's going to suck. <laughs> but if they can reinvent themselves, who knows, man? That's interesting. Yeah, I, th yeah, I agree. I think they're going to have to find their own voice, which is, I don't know. It's going to be hard if the fans even accept that. Because it's, it's not going to be Linkin Park as they know it. it it's it's going to be somebody completely different. Um, I had a... I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I want to see what everybody thinks of it. It seems to me that there's a criminal lack of respect in today's society. And it's something that we as a show bring up every once in a while. But if you pay attention to the media, the internet, even in real life interactions, it seems like the Karen syndrome is getting worse. I mean, what do you guys think? I don't know, John, you're just stupid. I don't know what you're talking about, this disrespect in the society. You <laughs> well, should be canceled. Well, damn, that went downhill fast. You know, if I was funny and could you rip off no that respect? act. Well, I get no respect, but I can't rip off that act. I'm not naturally funny. No comments here, huh? Uh, I heard like every half word you said there for like 30 seconds. So. Oh, so, I mean, what do you think, though? I mean, there just seems like to be a, a massive lack of respect in this, today's society on all levels. I mean, are, so politically, society, socially. Sorry, you broke up, but I'll, I'll just jump in if you can hear me. All right. I yeah, mean, I, I certainly agree. Uh, when we look at society as a whole, the kids that are coming up today don't have the same approach. Let's just say there's, there's almost like I'm, I'm equal to you, or you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, just think about the concepts of, of like how we call boomers, you know, the old generation, and that's already a derogatory like distancing from the get. And I don't want to spares this generation the young people too much because they do bring some interesting stuff but if we're just focusing right oh hell yeah there's a lot of that today and it's not even the kids it's really the adults i don't know what it is this is we can't talk as humans anymore yeah it does seem like it is the adults i know like after covid i work in the um uh food service industry and it was like a lot of adults like once like you know, the you know, the lockdown was over. They were coming in and being jackasses, too. And it wasn't just, like, kids. It was, like, oh, I'm talking, like, older crowd, like, 50s and 60s, too. So, 
I don't know. It kind of seems like it's like bled out through our society in just a whole. See, that... I think there's a couple of good reasons for that. Uh, first off, if you look at today's generation, these these kids are raised with devices and things that previous generations didn't have, right? Especially if you look at social media platforms where someone can be rude in the comments or say what they want, but let's just use the good old 1980s as an example. Well before social media was a thing, you, you couldn't just walk up to someone, troll them. You'd probably get punched in the face for having that negative of opinion. But, you know, as they call them, keyboard warriors feel safe behind their screen and they can just be as disrespectful and nasty as they want to be. And I think that enables a lot of the younger generation to just be jerks for what they are, essentially. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of technology is really aided in that. And, and, and I would say growing up, there's, there's two levels of respect. I think there's the basic respect you give everybody, and there's a more familiar respect. And it, and it seems like you don't get any of that now. Unless you're like really good friends with somebody or you're really close family, I, I, it just seems that like every level has broken down. And I, I think Josh is right. I think the internet specifically is partially to blame for this. I wouldn't say partially. I think it's got a more nefarious role than we think because it's everywhere uh, from a, affecting attention spans to word choice to down to this particular topic of respect. There literally is, I can't remember, I, I've looked into this a lot about how social media has, has been shifting our culture expectations and norms. And there is a reality that there's something that psychologically happens, like when you're looking at a screen and not at a person and you're writing these comments, there's a freeness to uh, and a boldness to express things you would never say in public to somebody's face. And it blows my mind some of the stuff that, and I think we all are just getting used to it. It just, and that's sad to me. That's sad because there's just a lot of stuff that, I don't know, I don't, the average human doesn't seem like a human online anymore. Yeah. I, maybe it's because I'm old, which is kind of weird to say that I, I, I'm the same person online as I am in person, I try to be respectful, but so it's, it is weird when you have, it's like everybody, all of a sudden you're on Xbox live gaming with kids. It's, huh. it's strange. I was just going to bring that up as an example to mirror the two completely different universes of, let's say you have 15 young men that are playing kickball, for example, and then you have 15 young men that are playing Call of Duty on an online live arena. The the things that are they're going to say to each other in that live stream, 90% of those kids would not have the balls to step up and say that to another boy, to their face, you know, uh, playing kickball in the recess schoolyard. It just, like you said, it dehumanizes it. I'm, I'm talking to a screen. I'm not really talking to a person. But when your words have consequences and, and uh, sometimes those consequences have adverse and violent reactions, because I don't, you know, enjoy being called these things, so I just happen to punch you in the face for it. I think, I think that's kind of what emboldens people. Yeah. And, and kind of to... And also on the flip side... Go ahead, Rusty. Also on the flip side... Um... I think we don't have an ability to moderate the mistakes either. Hence cancel culture. So somebody could say something and not intend something, but some, another person can get offended and start a whole train of just mob, uh, a mob response where they are interpreting what was posted in a way that was not what the intention was of the, of the original poster. Right. And it could be misinterpreted. And the consequences would be disproportional to to what was what would actually happen on the playground, let's say. So if I said something stupid and, and put my foot in my mouth and you called me immediately, that could be corrected. And I could explain and have the opportunity like, oh, this is what I meant by that. And we could work that out right there on the spot. When you say something online these days and, and it goes to the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, it could get away from you. And you have no control over it. 
So in, in one sense, there's no disrespect and there's also – or a, a very lack of disrespect. And there's also the other – there's a lack of compassion too, like an inability to recognize it, like a little wiggle room, like we're – okay, somebody just said something off the, off the off the cuff that was just off. You know, it wasn't intending to destroy the world or disparage any particular to, group or anything like that. To, to coin a phrase – I think, uh, as stupid as it sounds, we almost live in like a post-forgiveness world. There's no room for redemption anymore. Like, once you say something that the group thinks is absolutely horrible, you're no longer allowed to do anything. I mean, look at Mel Gibson. He said absolutely abhorrent thing, and this is a person who has Jewish ancestry, and he's tried hard to make up for his sins, and all of a sudden, you, 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 still, hear, you still see people trying to tell him, oh, you can't do this because what you've done is wrong. And it's, it's really weird because today's, the thing that's in today will be tomorrow's, it will be against all social mores. It's just odd to see, to see this movement like it's happening. So I guess the question, it begs the question, what do we do about it? I don't think there's... We can't do not at this point. I, I think culture is kind of screwed. <laughs> I think the only we can, the only thing we can do is everybody here's a father, is raise our kids to be respectful and to make sure you know that hey, if you say X, Y, and Z in real life, there's a good chance I'm going to be taking you to the hospital. That's that's realize there's a name and a face and a soul behind everything. I, I don't think you can do anything else. It's such a part of society to be a jackass. Yeah. I mean, if it's your kid, yeah, you definitely have to deal with that right away. But I think as far as other people's kids and the way that people react nowadays, I mean, our society is so shit that you can't really say anything. Otherwise, you're going to be the one that gets in trouble. Well, I, I think... The only thing I can think of is it, it's going to have to be like lead by example. Um, I was listening to somebody online talk about why Christianity is being like, he believes Christianity is being going away in America is because nobody lives it. This guy didn't see people living Christianity. Maybe it's the same way. People living, being nice, being friendly, showing respect. Maybe that's the only way It's just by doing it. And hopefully other people catch on. Well, it's not just hopefully. I think anything begins with us, the individual. So, like, I can't control what somebody in, in Atlanta, Georgia, is, is doing or saying. Even if I see it on social media, I could post something, but am I really going to change anyone? It's like that old phrase that nobody's ever changed their mind on social media because you posted your, your retort, right? Uh, but I think there should be a return we should individually return back to building real relationships with our friends and in our circles that we walk in and setting that standard at least. And, and in that way we can have an, a real, a real effect in our worlds. Like I, I can't change society. I, I'm not going to change Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat or anything like that, but I can change my house, my friends, my neighborhood just through the daily interactions it's a tone that <clears throat> matters that's where it begins so i think part of what we're saying is like the how we're being fed as people far socially like uh i guess the difference is you're eating real food versus eating empty carbs like face social media would be empty carbs you're getting this feeling of eat food but you're not really getting anything versus meeting in real life you're getting to touch, you know, the, there's something to it more being person to person. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because I was, I I was thinking about this because because of the weather, I haven't been able to go to church or do any of the other things I normally do. So I was thinking maybe, you know, being a little bummed out, and I realized we need social interaction. You know, going to work. Uh, going to church, finding a, uh, some sort of group, you know, like the Odd Fellows, Masonic Lodge, something that we have a band of people to be around. 
I, I think very few people can be like Dick Prennicky and live in the middle of Alaska and be content. Oh, was I probably need to repeat that. <laughs> I figured I'd glitched. Um, how can I say? Uh, basic... California internet. Yeah, seriously. Must be. Uh, basically. Rolling blackout. Basically, I don't think most people cannot be like Dick Prennicky and live in the wilderness. We need a group, a church, an organization to be a part of. Otherwise, I think we have issues as a, uh, a creation. You're still breaking up, bro, there a little bit. But I think what you're talking about, if uh, this, well, I, I think if I could just fill in the gap while your internet is catching up, I think what you're saying is that we just need to be connected in our communities. And I think we're all men around this little virtual table here. I, I think John, you and I have talked about this in the past where like when we hit our thirties as young men, like we stop hanging out with each other and that's a problem. The whole lone wolf mentality for men, like, it doesn't work. So I, I think it it's behooves us to, like, to build solid fellowships, solid connection with other men. I think men learn what it is to be good men by hanging around other good men. And there's that old phrase, you know, what, what does it take for evil to reign? And that's for good men to do nothing. I think we've done a whole lot of good, a whole lot of nothing. And so probably we should, you know, as an individual step, at least that's how I feel about it. Like I, I, I've got to affect my world in a positive way. I, I have a question for, yeah. for, for, for Josh and um, Rusty. As, as both of you have been in, in the military, as people have been, I've heard from military people that when they get out, they miss the camaraderie that you don't get in civilian life. How much of that is true? Rusty, if it's all right with you, I'm going to take a stab at that one first. Yeah, go for it. So I would uh, I would 100% agree. Um, when I got out of the Marine Corps after 10 years, I there were obviously things about the military that I did not miss. Um, but the one thing that I did miss was the camaraderie, the friendship, uh, the brotherhood, if you will, of Marines to your left and right that you knew that no matter what situation was going on, whether you were in garrison or forward deployed, these people had your back and you were a family. Very dysfunctional one, but you are a family. And uh, yeah, I would agree with that. When I got out in 2017, I missed that sense of family. When I returned to the civilian world and realized that the people in the world just care about themselves for the most part and were willing to, you know, I've been working with this guy for 10 years, but if I can screw him over and get this promotion, I'm going to do that because it's all about me and there's no sense of team. Um, and yeah, that was, that was an eye opening thing when I got out. Um, when I realized that, like you had said, we need social interaction and we need to be a part of something and have a sense of community, um, not just in our homes with our family, but in general. And I think that um, there are a lot of different good organizations out there that can promote that, uh, masonry being one of them. So I would 100% agree as well. Um, and I, I don't think it's just the military, but it's rather obvious with the military. Uh, there is a family built into each branch. I mean, and, and I would also argue that there's a purple family too, which is kind of the entire military. We're, we're like brothers and sisters where we argue inside of circles. Like I will make fun of my crayon eating Marine over here while he calls me a squid and, you know, we'll collectively make fun of the chair force, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, we won't even acknowledge the coast guard as part of the family because he's the redheaded stepchild. You know, it's like we well, make fun on. of each other. We have to acknowledge <laughs> the coast guard now because the redheaded stepchild is now the space force. <laughs> well that's that's like that's like your 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 air force dude who who just like started taking lsd or something and started talking about clockwork elves and how we need to control the, yeah anyway sorry but you know uh so back to the camaraderie thing yeah we make fun of each other but it is funny how like there is a unity in the larger family and then 
and whatnot, but it, it's about a process where you get inducted into a community through sacrifice and suffering and a shared suffering, by the way, nobody's <laughs> special. Everybody goes through the same thing, goes through the same door. And then we, we do something for a grander purpose that provides meaning to us, like defending our nation. Even if like, you're like me, you're writing stories. Whereas uh, my brother over here is like carrying a gun, boots on ground, whatever. Um, we, there's an understanding that we all have a role to play. And then when we get out, we enter into a space where there isn't that unified feeling. And so I felt lost. I felt disconnected. And I think our society has lost a lot of its magic. Like by magic, I mean like the rituals that, that unite us. We don't stand for um, the national anthem anymore and salute the flag. Um, we're not Americans per se anymore. We're not, uh, we don't claim allegiances. We'd rather claim allegiance to a sports team than necessarily our state that we live in. You know, there's just a lot of these different things where emphasis, so much emphasis is placed on the individual that we've lost the uniting principles that bring us together when times are tough. And in the military, we get that. And when we come out, we lose it. Our country, as far as patriotism and unity, has fallen a long way from what I believe to be its last pinnacle, which would be September 12th. 2004 because if you remember the the days and weeks after the september 11th attacks i can't remember a time when our country was more unified um not necessarily in our resolve but just being americans helping your fellow american every house had an american flag out of it like we were just different I, I've, I've heard well, and that's because we had we, we, we all had an enemy we could point at like there was shared suffering that brought us together because I have argued for a long time it's not the, the happiness that brings people together it's the pain I've, I've, I've I heard a couple of comments on that yes, I saw somebody in on one of the social media platforms that said the thing about America is we're a, a war tribe that we'll fight against each other until somebody does something, then all of a sudden all eyes turn on the one people who attacked us. And then, as uh, the, the Japanese general said, you know, that there'll be a gun behind every blade of grass. And, and one of the reasons I asked that question is I've been reading a ton of World War II books, uh, specifically like A Helmet for My Pillow, uh, With the Old Breed by E.B. Sledge. And you listen to these people's stories, especially uh, With the Old Breed by E.B. Sledge in the shit they've gone through and quite literally in some instances in the book that you can see they're, they're, they're living in pain. They're, nothing is fun about this. They're terrified, but you can see the brotherhood that's bonded them together. Sorry, John, you're picking up a bunch, bro. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I first want to apologize to everybody listening. This episode is going to be entitled The Glitchiest Episode in the West. But And, and all these books I've been reading, they're going through hell fighting together in absolute misery but they have each other. And I think one of the issues with that is if you look at the older generation, they had a lot of hardships. Like you look at the, the 30s, like my, my grandparents' generation. We've had it so good for so long that now we're nitpicking on the small things. And I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah, I, well, I think that's about to change, to be perfectly honest. I think we're coming up on a pretty big hammer about the fall soon over the next decade. There's a lot of people that talk about, like, there are a lot of signs that are pointing to some major change coming. I mean, I was just watching a video on YouTube the other day talking about the 20, uh, the 20 year generational cycles and how there are four like, seasons and we're hitting towards winter. And this is typically where a major world war happens. And I gotta be honest, like it, it concerns me. I, when I think about Russia and Ukraine, when I think about what's happening, um, as far as our economies are concerned, I mean, down to even little things like chat GPT, uh, that's going to disrupt all of like academia and marketing. And it's like, this is kind of crazy. The world, China's set up to collapse. I mean, like their economy is kind of crazy and, and falling apart and people are protesting. So, I mean, it's like, 
I just feel like this, and I'm not like trying to be an anxious, like doomsday kind of dude, but it is feeling a lot like we're at the end of the carnival. Mardi Gras is about to end, and the hammer's about to drop. It's that that that's funny. I was on one of the books I've I've, I've read in the last decade. The the guys in combat and his comment and and about combat is said the worst part about being combat is combat is at the end when when you're at the, the end of fighting and you you lower your guard he said that's the scariest part of combat is the end of it and i just have this feeling that you know we're at that point that we're at the end of like the good times or you pick the name for it whatever marketing term you want to pick that it's everybody's lowered the guard and nobody's ready for what's about to fall and I usually try to have a, a better break to end for our ad, but unfortunately, it's not. So what everybody needs, if they, they're down, they're out, they need to have a, have a little fun, or in my case, fighting a cat on my lap, you should check out our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Audacity, the unforgettable party game for mischievous people. The game where dignity is overrated. Make sure you go to O-D-D-A-S-S-I-T-Y.com or selected stores. Make sure you use MADTRIO, all caps, all one word, for 10% off your final order. Make sure you tell Miss Adassi herself that the MADTRIO sent you. Do you want to keep up to date with the maddest of the mad at the Mad Trio podcast? Make sure you go to themadtrio.com or check out our social media feeds on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm being attacked right now by somebody else's cat. Ow! Dear God! Ow! Um, feisty little bastard. Um, I, I, is there any, I want to talk about something positive, but that's such an interesting conversation, especially a man in his, for a man in his forties, who's, who've, who's lived long enough to kind of see the way society's going. And I really do think society's cyclical. Um, I thought in 2020 that we're like right now kind of living in the sixties, you know, we're freedom summer where people are fighting for things that they think is important and listening to Rusty, I, I'm kind of wondering if I'm again, bro. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> so so kind of give him a few seconds to see if he comes back. So well, I can. I can. Oh, go ahead. You're back. Okay. Let me let me try to do a fast. Uh, I got. I, I need to learn to talk faster. So basically, like I thought in the 2020 that we were in the 60s, where everybody's fighting for something that's important to them, fighting for rights. But after listening to Rusty, I, I'm kind of wondering: Are we in like 1911? Are we in the early? stages of the next uh, war, horrible time, you name it. I, I think we're in the 30s. Oh, so, personally. World War II-ish? That's what it feels like to me. Because... The- the, the reason I bring up 19, you know, like the, the First World War is First World War is when it was a technological game changer, you know, going from like horses to tanks. And I'm kind of wondering if that's what we're in, like modern warfare won't look like it used to be, you know, you know, now it's on every front instead of being just stuck in one location because everything is so technologically controlled. Oh, yeah. The weapons are different. Everyone has body armor. Everyone has an air force, a navy. We have drone strikes. Like it would be chaotic, absolutely chaotic. A frontline type war where we weren't fighting a insurgency like uh, the United States fought for the last twenty years in Afghanistan. It's not like a, an insurgency or a guerrilla type warfare. These countries have uniformed military. And I've, I've even pondered, you know, would we get, would it get to the point where we had a front line with just infantry, ground troops, tanks, and all that, or would more or less conventional wars now be fought with just, you know, attacks here and there from the special operations community? We, you know, we send ours in, they send theirs in. It's just tit for tat with this the spec ops community, or is it going to be a full on front lines? And that's. That sounds like the opening to the next Tom Clancy novel that I don't want to read. <laughs> is 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 somebody who's never been a part of the, the military, who's who's read a shit ton of military history, and 
who's kind of a, a conspiracy theorist, I think they'd want to do the spec ops because it's easier. It's easier to say, oh, this never happened versus you got full on warfare. Then politicians have to worry about getting elected to the next cycle. Yeah, it's easier. It's neater. It's cleaner. It's a lot less viz. You know, for those who do play Call of Duty, you know, Bravo 6 is going freaking dark. And what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I will say this you mentioned about positive I would say this is more like I also believe that life happens in cycles and the flood the, the apocalypse is both the ending of something and the beginning of something new it's both the the drowning and, and death and also the refreshing right it's it's I, I feel like whatever this era is that's coming to an end um, it needs a refresh, an update, like our culturally, like our, our people need need to understand what real pain and suffering is, so that it can lay the foreground to appreciate real life and to live more abundantly and fully. Wait, so you and, and I just think that's part of the process. So you're telling me pain is not having all the ingredients to make me Americano? <laughs> well, it, it it is, and in fact, you should go call your congressman. Because <laughs> he needs to know <laughs> about your first world problem. <laughs> I, I I think I think it's so weird. You, you like, I, one of my favorite thing is Reddit. Is you get to like view into people's lives and what problems they are. And I was thinking back when I was in my twenties and, and and teenagers, like the the issues I thought were like the world ending were such first world problems that somebody in, in you know, pick a, a third world, fourth world country would have never thought of. It's just, it's odd to think about, like, you hear, like, Karen's complaining that they don't have enough ingredients for an Americano. I, I What do you think is going to be the first thing that changes? Um, and let me, let me make an example. James and I, we used to live together in a, a condo I owned. We came up with what we called the hair color economic index. And according to a, an economist I talked to, it's a good judge of where the economy is going when you're talking about women's hair color. So what do you think might be the next thing to change, the, the, the next thing that's going to hurt? Oh, um, you mean like right now or what are you talking about? Like, like the next thing down the corner, like because I've heard some people saying we're, we're headed for next recession. You know, this could be, you know, like the Great Recession 2, Electric Boogaloo. So what is you think is going to next thing that's going to make people go, oh, this hurts? Oh, Moving to a cashless society is going to do a lot of really bad things. Um, oh, that hurts my soul. that's something that I heard about. Let's, let's just abolish cash. Let's make everything cryptocurrency. Um, that that's great right up until the you know big brother can come in and turn off your bank account if they want like all the different things that that's that's such a i think people's access to their funds and i think it's going to be a big wake up call for people when they realize that they have given up so many of their freedoms by allowing technology and control and automation to take over things that they have inadvertently signed over a lot of their own freedoms, whether knowingly or unknowingly being irrelevant. Um, and I think just sometimes just doing things the old way is not necessarily a, the bad way. If, if you understand what I mean. I, I think that's something you earn with age. To be honest, because that, that is something I 100% agree with. All because it's old doesn't mean it's bad, and all because it's new doesn't mean it's good. Well, well one of the, one of the things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I honestly don't think it's gonna be any of that. I think it, I think we will lose our technology before we go to cashless society. I think if we put everything in cryptocurrency, we're going to lose, I think we'll lose power before any of that. 
I think that would be what would hurt our society is everything moving to electronics and then we lose the ability to even have electronics. I think something like an EA at some point would be the worst case scenario for Western civilization at the very least. Yeah. So, yeah, Sorry. I don't think cryptocurrency being a thing. I think that if we go to any system, it'd become a barter system again. And the fact that we keep losing certain amenities each and every time, like right now, we're, I mean, I don't see a big egg thing, but I see the avian flu wiping out chickens. So we'll move back to a barter system. I could see it being a little bit of both. Well, I think personally. that's what. I think to answer your question, John, I think it's a combination. Like, the governments are going to try and do uh, digital currencies. They're going to try. I, I think the thing that, as far as like what where things go bad, what would be the next thing to notice is, is basic essentials going up in price and not just not being there. And then, like the shadow bartering economy rising up, like where people are starting to to go around the system, as it were. I, I definitely going to say that's going to be the surprising thing. I, I was going to I was definitely going to say if there starts being a, a digital economy, I'm going to be trading chickens with Jedediah, the hills of Kentucky. I I don't see the government being able to implement a full on full fledged, um, you know, digital currency thing. I think that's been like something that they that we as a society have been going towards. But I just don't think it's going to be feasible. I really don't. I think there's too many people that want to have, you know, the feel of paper money. You know, like cash used to be king, but now you go to places and it's really not. You have you go in and try to pay for something with cash and they just kind of look at you weird like, uh, okay. I mean, there's even self-checkouts that are no, not cash, you know. They don't accept cash. I think so, I don't know. I don't. I don't see it becoming a thing. I see them trying to, but I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna take hold. I think for your generation uh, and the next couple of generations, I think that'll be harder because we, you know, kind of being born on the idea of. And, and I will say that, in my humble opinion, I think America's a little different. Is uh, we're a rowdy bunch. Um, you, you you tread over us in one way or another. We have a tendency to start fights. But I can see at a point where that's not the case. Yeah, I just don't see it digital. I don't see it. I don't know. I see them trying to. I just don't see it being feasible. You know, I think it depends on what's ha what's happening on the world because it's closer than you think. Um, they're already, I guess, uh, various different countries are already drafting the coins as we speak. And America is, is testing one right now. Um, the and in a, a large part, we're already did for most of the economy. It's already digital, it's ones and zeros. So I think the fact that like a standard like going away to a, completely to a cashless society is further off because there will be a large group of people that are, are going to be against it. But I think it's going to be coming sooner than we think, in my opinion. And it just concerns me um, because technology is a double-edged sword. It, it comes with both blessings and curses. It gets both ways. Like, like I was going to say, if, if you would have told me, let's see, you would have told me four years ago that the world would be in a place where the government would feel had the authority to tell me to get a vaccine that was not proven and not tested and not allow me to go into restaurants or have many of the other basic freedoms as a human being until I did this thing, I wouldn't believe you. But two years after it happened, here we are. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I'm a place. <laughs> I, I don't being particularly like being told what to do. Um, Maybe it's because how I was raised by a guy who grew up in the 60s when the era of question everything, everything questioned. Um, I wasn't a fan of that. I mean, if, if it's if it's your Picadillo and you want to get it, 
go for it, rock, ahead, rock on. But I don't really like being told what to do on any level, unless I make that choice. That's also why I never joined the military, to be honest. <laughs> I'd be spend too much time in the brig. <laughs> there are many like you that still joined. <laughs> oh, God. And they had a harder time than the others. Right. I, I, I have this, this <laughs> mental picture... I, 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 I've always had this mental picture of me on a battlefield and some guy, some general's like, go over there. It's like, why? What's over there? Just go over there. There's bad guys. You know, I, it would not work out for me. They'd bring back the stockades for me, you know, like the, the one where your head's stuck in that, 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 that plank. Medieval. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be an example. Don't be like him. So let's see, try well, to... So Sorry, what was that? I was going to say, uh, so to return back to the technological element, I think it's more than just crypto. I think there's a great book out there that was written a few years ago called The Future is Faster Than You Think, um, written by Peter Diamantis and uh, I can't remember the other guys. I always forget the other author. It's better for an audiobook, by the way, than it is written because you get the commentary in between chapters, which is fantastic. Anyways, the book is about 10 converging technologies that are on, that are on the game-changing level of the internet. Uh, but there are 10 separate ones. One of them is crypto. Others are 3D printing, CRISPR 2.0, AI. Um, there's The list just keeps going. There are 10 of them. So this idea that, that we have time to to watch our future unfold and be able to predict it. To be perfectly frank, I don't think we're gonna recognize our world by 2030. I think it's gonna be so radically different that that we won't be able to, we'll be having conversations that I did not see this coming in, over the next five years, next eight years. Um, it's gonna be wild, in my opinion. Um, and that's gonna be both good and bad. It's gonna have major good benefits and then major bad detractions. But the reason why I think I'm, I'm so observant of like what's happening and, and trying to be in tune with it because it feels like 1997 where there were reporters who were making fun of email. They were saying things like, why would I send this digital email when I can write a letter? They didn't get it. And here we are today, where we're annoyed by email and that's the standard, right? Um, amongst many other things. And I just feel like the world doesn't get these te technologies are, are are not going away. Like AI in itself is crazy to me. Like in the sense of what we are creating right now and laying the foreground for just 2023 alone. Like I, I don't know if you guys played with chat GPT, it's been in the news, um, but I, I use it. But writing, if you wanted to write a 500-word essay on the fall of Rome and how it relates to the decadent society that it was, and then extrapolate those parallels for like modern societies, ChatGPT will throw that together for you in a matter of 30 seconds. And then you can ask it to grade itself on how effective the essay is. It'll give you a letter grade and tell you about the weaknesses, and then you can tell it to improve itself fix these problems in the essay and rewrite it. So I, <laughs> this is mind blowing to me. I, I got to say, uh, I could see this coming because I'm a fan of eighties and seventies dystopian future movies. So it's just pick your poison. Mm -hmm. Cause this, all of this is like bad sci-fi. Um, the thing that does actually scare the hell out of me is CRISPR. Um, on one of my morning talk shows, they talked about China is working on genetic viruses that'll attack and only kill people of certain groups. So say, for example, they didn't like Jews. They could annihilate all the Jews in the world because of certain genes, and it wouldn't affect anybody else. That scares the hell out of me. CRISPR is incredibly scary to me. It's, it's a... Sorry, break up. That, what was that? Anybody you there? broke up there. California internet. Oh, yeah, this is the glitchiest episode in the West. Uh, basically, the, uh, I heard on one Eliminating of my... Jews is what, what I heard oh, uh, so, through, so, through CRISPR 2.0. Yeah, so basically, like, China is working on a way to eliminate certain people groups uh, based on genetics, because every race has different genetics in there, so they could target, like, Jews. 
or African-Americans or Asians and just cert- just annihilate everybody because of for whatever reason. And that level of genetic modification has always scared the hell out of me. China has also done gene editing to improve the IQ of twins. There's, there was a, an experiment where they, a doctor did this and edited the genes of two twins to improve their IQ, and they were successful. But then they demonized the doc, and he disappeared because that's China. But it's just, yeah, it's just wild. Anyhow, I, I don't mean to get all dystopian, like... Uh, or, or whatnot, but it is tech, man, that we're living in today. We're, we're on the cusp of something crazy. See, I, I think we're living in Star Trek. That, that's what it seems like, especially if you look into like the history of the Eugen- was it the eugenics wars, James? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Well, I would. I would like a holodeck. That'd be nice. <laughs> that would be. That would be amazing. Um, actually, it's funny to talk about gene editing. In the universe of Star Trek, it's actually illegal to do anything with gene modification because of Khan and, and, and that yeah, era of, right. of stuff. Uh, if you look at Deep Space Nine, they actually talk about that because Julian Bashir, who's the doctor on that show, and yes, I'm a geek, actually was genetically modified. So it's, it, it's interesting how our sci-fi actually plays off of some of our greatest fears. Which, by the way, is how horror movies are made, too. We're actually running out of time. So I wanted to thank our, our, our two new guests, Rusty and, and Josh, for uh, being a part of this episode. Uh, old guy's Thanks a little bit... Guys. Old, old guy's a little bit under the weather. So I'm going to leave the last two comments to Josh and Rusty. Go for it, Josh. All right. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure, everybody. And uh, I I will continue to tune in and listen to your guys' podcast. I enjoyed it. I didn't want to particularly point out last week's episode about the the Rogue Wave. I genuinely enjoyed that entire conversation in its entirety. I wanted to point out that uh, the Edsman Fitzgerald sank in Lake Superior because that was a question. But um, no, great job, great podcast. I continue to uh, we'll continue to listen. Thanks for having me. On. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Hopefully, we can have yeah. you on more, Rusty. Likewise, had a good time, good conversation. I always enjoy this sort of thing. <laughs> um, I am a little sad we didn't get to talk about the MLK penis uh, today, uh, <laughs> but you know, that's that's a whole other thing. Um, go volunteer at your local. <laughs> anything <laughs> i'm sorry i just uh i was i was really when npr kicked off this morning i was just on my alexa by the way alexa's listening to everything um i probably set off everybody's just now it blew my mind what was going on today and i just had to say something about it just yeah yeah not all art is art that's that's what i wanted to say <laughs> So th- this is on our normal episode. Not only is this incredibly glitchy, but we have two new uh, members. Hopefully we'll be able to have them on more. Uh, I just want to let you guys know for the fat man, the old guy, Rusty, Josh, and the two people who aren't, uh, the additional people who aren't here. As always, thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>